Welcome back to It Starts Now, the happy hour of business and finance. My name is Stanley, and I have a special guest here today. Uh, he is the drummer for the musical on Broadway called Wicked, and he's here to talk about the history of Broadway and uh, the future, what's coming to, the, what's going to happen in the future, what he predicts to happen in the future. Okay, uh, please welcome a dear friend of mine, Matt Vanderin. Very good day. So Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. All right, good. I'm doing well. So Matt came over today, and we've been trying to connect for some time now. And Matt, uh, for so for a while now, we're trying to put the group together so we could have this uh, conversation. Because when we were at, uh, we were at a barbecue together, right? Or right. was at a, by the park, by the water, right? And by we the White Stone, right? I think right so, by yeah. the White Stone. Yeah. And we came, uh, we were having this discussion and we started talking about the future of Broadway and the fact that Matt said Broadway never closed until recently uh, with the COVID. Uh, it could be snow up to your, to the top of your head. And I'm exaggerating, obviously, but, uh, but it never closes until recently with this whole COVID thing. So we're going to dive in into that. But before then, I just found out that my guy is a... Single malt drinker. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so what I did, and we got him uh, Glenn Lavette, and we're gonna enjoy it as we have a conversation. So Matt, let's let's dive in. Mm -hmm. Please, and thank you very much for having me come do this. No, absolutely, much much appreciated. Okay, yeah, yeah. Thank, well, thank you. We're, um, we're glad to have you on. Yeah. <laughs> so Matt, um, you know, with Broadway, first of all, let's let's dive in on how did you become you were a regular musician. Yeah. Right? And we're going to touch on the history of your background. But then how did you get from that aspect of the music industry into going into Broadway? Uh, it's interesting. It's it's also an interesting transition. I mean, um, so, you know, I went through school and education, the conservatory in San Francisco. I went to Interlock in Michigan. Uh, and uh, I was heading in the direction of a classically oriented maybe a jazz big band oriented musician and but at a young age i was bitten by the metal bug heavy metal like in the 80s 90s right, right. metallica stuff so mm -hmm. between all of that i was working in in bands and doing recording sessions where i'm from which is oakland and uh san francisco bay area um i had been studying with a guy for several years uh he's my mentor I, you know his name is greg sudmeyer and he's a fantastic teacher he was also a music director and he had said to me, um, you should consider thinking about doing uh, Broadway musicals. And at the time, I was thinking, Broadway musicals, like what I did in high school? Because, you know, they have you dabble in it a little bit. And I let it go for a while. But, you know, the touring and recording sessions, and I had just gotten married for the first time. <laughs> and there was you know, a time to kind of decide, do I want to keep being on the road? Do I want to keep pursuing recording sessions or, or pursuing a band? And I decided to try out the musical and Broadway stuff. And I really liked it. And I, I gravitated towards it and it stuck to me. It worked for me. And I, you know, I worked for it and I just worked my way up in San Francisco and the Bay area, San Jose, uh, Mountain View, Oakland. And I eventually made a transition to move to New York city. And, you know, I had made a lot of contacts working for one particular theater company in uh, um, um, Santa, Santa Clara, excuse okay. me, um, um, called uh, Theater Works. Mm -hmm. And Theater Works was, was doing a lot of out-of-town Broadway, um, pre-Broadway shows. And I had met several good people. I kept in contact with them. And when I moved to New York, I just started making trips and meeting people and going to go watch them play. Uh, on a Broadway show, and when I finally moved, uh, I was given the opportunity to sub on Fiddler on the Roof when it was at the Minskoff Theater in, in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And then from there, I just started subbing, subbed a few more shows here. Um, <clears throat> I had been recommended to the contractor for, for Wicked. His name is Michael Keller. And I was recommended to him by the original drummer of Wicked. Mm -hmm. um, his name is Gary Selickson, as somebody who would be a good fit to start and originate the first national tour back in 2005 mm -hmm. and so that's how that started and it just kind of went on from there about a year on the road gary had left 
Wicked to go pursue um, Tarzan another show and Gary's he works all the time mm-hmm. so um, I took over for him and then I've been at Wicked for close to 15 years now okay so um, trying to understand the timeline so there was a there was a point where you auditioned or you didn't audition you just so yeah, in, yeah, in, I to could, become yeah. a permanent. Yeah, sorry, skip that. Okay, <laughs> I'm trying to understand. <clears throat> um, auditioning can be one of two things. You can have like a traditional audition for a Broadway show or a tour. Mm-hmm. Um, my audition for Wicked was subbing at Wicked. The music director that was at Wicked at the time, Bob Billig, um, was looking for a drummer, and I was just getting ready to start to sub there. Uh, Gary had given me a shot so my first couple of shows of subbing there that was my audition like how do I fit into the mm. music how do I fit into the orchestra how do I fit into the show mm-hmm. and they said yeah we like this guy so they gave me so was it a sound they were looking for it's a sound and a feel and an approach okay. um, there's a couple like there's it's tricky Gary had set up a certain feel and approach and a sound to that show with the drum book now they wanted that but they also want a personality, you know, because when you're going to take over a chair, a chair or originate a chair, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot that goes into it. It's a personality. It's um, the way you get along with people. It's how you play. Clearly, it's almost as if your playing has to be a hundred percent, and that's a given. Mm-hmm. So from there, there are nuances like how do you fit in? How do you how do you work with the band? And most of all, how do you work with the music director? You know, the music director has to be really comfortable with the drummer. Right. So once I got that, after a year on the road, the supervisor, Stephen Remus, my understanding had come out and watched me play a couple times at the Lincoln Center in Washington, D.C. And through, they had taken some auditions in New York and then they decided to give me the job. So I came off the road and I took over the Broadway gig. They felt that it was probably like the, the best fit. Okay. So there was a, you touched on something that you were managing personalities. Right. All right. So, how challenging is that when you have? Because uh, you know, when when as you're coming in, mm-hmm. you're, you're rookie to the team. Right. Completely. Completely. Yeah. And now you have people that are already established. They already have a right. name. Right. And you got to manage those personalities. How right. did that work out? It's tricky. There's, yeah. uh, you know, as you know, New York can be a rough town, <laughs> <laughs> and. People can give you a hard time, and there's hazing, and there's like you know who's the new kid and what have you. Right. And you gotta, I mean, in some in some weird way, you have to be accommodating to everybody that needs something, but you have to stick to your guns because there's a reason why they hired you. Mm. And so you need to to dig in enough mm. to say that you know you made a choice with me, and this is why you did it. And I have to have enough confidence to say you know I'm gonna this is what I'm doing. But on the other hand, you can't just come in there like a bull in the china shop. Because right. you're, you're basically the square peg they're trying to force into a round hole. <laughs> and a drummer is like changing the transmission of a, of a, of a car. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel right. Some people may go, I love the way he plays. You know, I love what he did differently. And other people are going to be like, it sucks. Right, it's just because right. it's different. So it doesn't matter. It's just it sucks. So it takes time. Mm-hmm. And once it starts to come together, then they're used to you. And anybody that subs for you, they're just like, it sucks. <laughs> you know, it's, so it's, it's, it's a trade-off. But right. you can't let the, the, the rough edge of a city like this get to you. You have to be able to take the bull by the horns to a certain extent. And diplomatically figuring out how you do that. But you ultimately always have to have the music director's back. The music director is the boss. Mm-hmm. Um, music director's not happy with you. They're going to tell management and they're going to tell the contractor and they're going to tell me and then if they need to make a change they'll make a change so not only you got to manage personalities but you got to manage up yep i mean it's a it's a bizarre position because i'm a i'm a a, um i'm in a position where the chair can train wreck a show and it can ruin the feel of a show Mm. i'm in a position where the music director is is management. I'm not management. I'm a member of the orchestra. Right. But if I don't have their back, and to a degree that they need to feel comfortable that I'm with them, because they have to direct the show. Right. They're worried about the show, you know, and they've got people on top of them left and right. You know, the show came in, you know, two minutes late tonight, or came in a minute early. What's going on with the tempos? You know, I can't hear this, or mm-hmm. you know, something felt too fast, and so they've got to deal with all that. 
they need to know that the drummer's there. And I've there's there's always a subtle tension of like at some point the drummer when I first started at Wicked there there were no consistent click tracks and the click tracks can set aside a tempo which takes the the idea of like well was it too fast or too slow tonight completely out of the equation. Right. So when we were you know playing together the trust that is there is that you know one music director will say i trust you with the tempos and i i i, I watch and listen to a metronome all the time make sure we're right there because the choreographer needs that consistent every night mm -hmm. and when the conductor is saying something like you know it felt really slow tonight i need to be accommodating but say it wasn't trust me it wasn't right, right, <laughs> and right. that's hard because they have egos, we all have egos, and you got to kind of yeah. figure out how to dance around it in a, you know, in a polite enough way that you can say, I'm going to have your back, and I'm going to go with you in any way that you want to. Right, right. But trust me, when I'm digging in a little bit, I know what I'm doing, and I'm never going to steer you wrong. So as long as they have that confidence, it's a good mm -hmm. relationship. It really is. But you had to cultivate that along the, you along do. the way. It doesn't happen overnight. Right. <laughs> how long did it take you to, to establish yourself? The Broadway Company? Yes. Mm, several months, mm. if not close to a year. It can be a while. I mean, the orchestra was pretty comfortable with me. I, I would say several why, months. Why, why is that? Well, the several months are, you know, it's like a, uh, um, what do you call it? It's like a proving ground. It's not a proving ground because you already proved, your, you proved yourself to get to that point. Right. But you need to prove yourself that on Wicked... That show, at the time I took over, they knew it was going to run for at least another decade. You know, we're pushing two decades that's now. That's true. And so they want to know that, is this the guy that's going to stay with us and stick with us for that duration of time? True. And it's also not like, you know, are you just looking for this? Are you looking at this as a stepping stone? Mm -hmm. Are you going to bail in a year? You know, are you going to bail with the music director in a year? I mean, it happens. People do it all the time. But is it, you know, are you going to stick with the show? And is, is the show going to feel comfortable with you? And once you know that period kind of starts to take on its own form and and people start to get used to you and, and you get along with the orchestra and it's it's a hang factor too you know how well you hang outside of the uh Very of the important. game right. yeah it's really important because mm -hmm. you need to develop these relationships especially with within the rhythm section mm -hmm. you know and once that happens I mean, sometimes it, and I should say, sometimes it happens right away. There's like a, a it clicks. It clicks. But yeah. then you know how the arc of how things go. You know, you'll have like a rough period, and then it'll start to come back, and mm. then just kind of do something like that. So that's why I give it like a several months kind of aspect. Plus, you're, I'd known the show from being on it for a year, so I know the technical aspect of it. But finding the nuances of having the orchestra fit together, and there's a groove that mm -hmm. happens, mm -hmm. and once that starts to settle in and it's consistent, mm -hmm. then they feel good. You know. Yeah. But it can take, you know, music directors come and go. We've had, I can't even think straight. Um, you know, I want to say off the top of my head, I'm going to say five or six at the Broadway Company alone since I've been there. You know, oh. yeah. And there's there's guest conductors coming up all the time. So, you know, like, does it change the face or the the sound or the the music director? Yes, when It'll when change they the change, feel. okay, it, it changes, changes the feel. feel, okay, it changes the pacing. Mm -hmm. And so, having the music director, you know, uh, once I was there, you know, um, the music directors are like, you know, they completely lean on me their first couple of months of breaking in. Mm -hmm. And at that point, then they shape the show the way that they want to. And granted, this is all done under the approval and, you know, through stage management and the creatives. The creatives are, you know, the, um, the choreographer, the writer... Mm -hmm. The producers, um, the supervisors, uh, you know, the orchestrator. These are all people that created the show. And once they're happy with everything, then we just coast. We just right. keep going. As long as the people are happy, they keep coming in, things are good. You okay. Know? You touched on two things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one, uh, I, I like what you said about the hang time is very important. Mm. Because in, when I was in corporate America, I was leading a group of people is one thing when you have your um, uh, your direct reports that have a good relationship with you, right? But it's another thing to hang with your peers, right? Right, and then right. you have to establish that relationship and even manage up too, because the more you hang out, the more they get a feel for you, and then right. they say, okay, this person right. is cool, we could bring them on board. 
But the other thing you touched on was um, Wicked's been around for a while. And yeah, I actually nice. went to see one of the plays. And why is it it's so... Like, it's, it's, it's going on two decades. Yeah. And it's still popular. Right. Why is that? Um... Yeah, it's interesting. The, the percussionist and I, the percussionist's name is Andy Jones, and mm. he and I, man, we hung a lot when I first took over, all the time. And we still do, but it's not as much as it used to right. be. But, and we used to discuss this. It's it's a classic story about human involvement in society and, and how people function, told behind the backdrop of a famous American tale, The Wizard of Oz. Mm. So through these characters that are beloved, Mm-hmm. Everybody around the country and a lot of people around the globe, they know this story. And it is told as kind of a prequel and then it is told through relationships, you know, Alphaba and Galinda, their relationship, relationships in love, relationships in friends, mm-hmm. relationships in enemies, kind of covers it all. And so it seems to, to touch a chord. And people like it and they keep coming back and there's a fanatical base following for oh the show. yes it is yeah it's crazy <laughs> we would sometimes go outside and there's like little girls dressed in a in an alphabet witch outfit you know <laughs> it's really cute <laughs> does, does that like um does that motivate you guys like yeah it he, does oh, yeah, right it does it has to right yeah it does there's um As a musician, we're constantly figuring out how to create and do our craft. Mm-hmm. And a Broadway show can stagnate that because it does, it's a product. And when it's and as big you as you got to continuously yeah. service right. that product or revamp that product right. for it. Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and the same percussionist had said to me, you know, you take over on a show and you're like, you've hit the top. Hmm. I'm, you know, at the time when I took over, that was the number one show in the city, and it had been number one for, for a long while. time, and right. it stayed number one for a long mm-hmm. time. And now it's like still maybe two, three, maybe behind but Hamilton. It's still, right, it's still like, but it's still there. It's, it's still among the top yeah. three, top four. When they were discussing reopening Broadway, it's mm-hmm. considered one of the top four legacy shows. See, yeah. So it's that is a legacy show. Yeah, and and that said, once you take over. It's easy to go, well, what's next? You know, what am I doing now? Or, you know, where's the next aspect of the horizon? And you work so hard to get there and you're there and you're maintaining a product and you can become a little like, you know, what am I doing to create my playing? What am I doing to, you know, you go through all this in your head. Mm -hmm. And when you start to become stagnant, because it's not about you. It's about the show and about the people that are buying the tickets and them being entertained. You know, you want them to constantly come back. And I have to make it sound like myself and everyone else in the pit and on stage, like it's our first performance, like we're there, Mm. um, you know, just just going out for that first night. How do you keep that energy, though? Right. And what Andy had told me is that some nights when you're down and you're like, what am I doing? Go out in front and watch those little kids walk into the show for the first time. They'll remind you of why you're here. Right. You know, they'll remind you of what it is that makes it special for their experience and their parents. You mm-hmm. know, and now at this point at Wicked, their parents saw Wicked when they were young, right. so they're bringing their kids. Mm-hmm. And in the pit, I'll try to go into a fantasy head. I know this might sound a little funny, but. I'll go into a fantasy head, like, you know, remember that energy and that feel the first time you played this show? You know? So you're psyching yourself Terrified. Out. Terrified mm. the first time mm. I played the show. I'm like, Whoa. you know, but you just, you focus and you go into it and, and ultimately you got to love your instrument. Like, I love playing drums. Right, I mean, right, right. the sound of the drums, the sound of the instruments right. and, the, and the cymbals. And so I'll have periods in the show or different nights of the week where I'll focus on listening to one thing. Yeah. You know, like, you know, what's so beautiful about this symbol or what have you. And and every once in a while, you know, the supervisor will come in and he'll kick our asses. He'll say, you know, the energy's lacking here. The orchestra's not playing, you know, well enough at this point. The orchestra's not pushing hard enough here. We're not, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So we have tune-up sections and stuff. But you just got, you got to stay focused. Yeah. Let me share with you my experience. <laughs> when I first went there. <laughs> Uh, I'm not a Broadway person. I've never been to Broadway. I don't know anything about it. And someone said, let's go. And let's, let's go watch Wicked. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, you got to go watch Wicked. I said, okay. 
and uh, we get there, and this, the moment you walk in, is it, it? It's an experience of its own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because, designed that way. Yeah, yeah because the cra- the way the crowd is so engaged before, the, yeah. the curtains didn't even open yet. Right. Cur- yeah. Nothing happened yet. Yeah. But the rush into the seats and the anticipation and the the, the thrill of what's to come. Or right. I, I I don't know how to explain it, but the energy in the room. Before the anything, before the, even the lights turn down, is already high. Yeah, it's so and, cool that you see. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's just, it was just an amazing feeling, and I said, I can't believe this. All this for a Broadway show. Yeah. yeah. And um, throughout the duration of the show, I, I felt like every moment was hitting a climax. Yeah. Like it, it went from okay, I think the, it reaches peak, then it went to a next level, then it went to a next level. And I found myself being more entertained and more engaged with the whole show. Then finally, when when it all ended, I was like, "Wow, that was amazing!" Without having no expectations. That's great. I was like, walked out like, "Wow, that was amazing!" And I would do it again. And I have. I went to a Broadway show after that. But that would had that not happened or that experience didn't have happened, I would have been turned away to Broadway. Exactly, and that's yeah. precisely the um, approach that Wicked has has. Uh, that's what they they designed it that way. Yeah. They want people to have a complete experience. So you walk into the Gershwin, and you're in Wicked. You're in Oz, mm-hmm. and everybody's got you know our lives outside of you know our lives are crazy, especially this last year, right? Right, right, <laughs> right? right. So when you walk into the show. You want to be taken away from all of that. You want to be able to enter the theater and have two and a half or two hours and 45 minutes of not thinking about work, not thinking about the kids or not thinking about the parents or thinking right, about, right. you know, the traffic or whatever it is. Right. And they designed it specifically so that you're completely immersed in an experience and that you can enjoy the show. And you can go on this journey with them mm-hmm. for two hours and 45 minutes and walk away and feel like, wow, that was really great. Yeah, it was worth it, you know. And some people say it, it, it helps change their lives. It helps change perspective of mm-hmm. how they're seeing things, you know. Well, I think it has a, an uh, emotional aspect to it. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 it yeah, definitely yeah. gets you. Um, you have a out of body experience with it because you wouldn't think that at a at a play you would enjoy it so much, and then when you leave, that emotional aspect of it lasts for a long time. Yeah. So yeah. I think. Um, Whoever uh, whoever vision was this to to bring it to stage, mm. I think they did an amazing Stevens job. Well, they did an amazing job because it's it's that emotion that carries on from time, right, yeah, throughout time, yeah. and I think that's very important. But you did touch on something. It is a product at the end of the day, and to continuously yeah. service that product to make everyone leave that room feeling uh, or taking a, a piece of it with them home. Because right. that's a piece of history that they keep. Right, right. Right. And I think that's challenging of its own. Yeah, it's a huge challenge. I can't imagine... When a show hits, a show hits. And then there may not be any re- rhyme or reason why it does. Um, some people knew that Wicked was going to be a huge hit right from the get-go. Because the book written by Gregory Maguire was a, a huge success. And the critics were very lukewarm about the show when it first came out and some people were like we'll give it six months you know and the show just took off and i think protecting that feeling and that magic that people have and trying to make sure that they get that each time they enter Mm -hmm. the theater is really important you know i mean i right around the 10 year anniversary uh the company had bought all of us tickets to see the show and it had been the first time I was going to see the show in 10 years. <laughs> and I was, uh, there these like legendary stories of a show that just gets tired and it's like an old beaten horse and it's right. just grinding out the last little bits of what happened. Right. And I knew that the ticket sales were still strong after 10 years. I mean, after 10 years, it was still ridiculous. But right. You traveled around the world with that. I didn't. I only traveled the United States. Okay. Yeah. I wish I had traveled. Oh, okay. <laughs> but the, an odd caveat is by the time I had uh, taken out Wicked's First National, um, 
I was like, oh, I'd love to be able to travel the world with this. But those days of traveling an American drummer around the planet on a Broadway show are kind of, they were over at that point, mm. you know, with okay. with the ability to um, to have drummers in Australia, London, Germany, or else Japan, play exactly like the Broadway drummer in New York. It was now, you know, just did the United States or okay. whatever. But, um, they bought us tickets to see the show on our tenure around the ten year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And um, when I saw the show, at first I was like, oh "God, I don't know how this is going to be." And it was just, it was just as good as the very first time I saw it. I mean, like just as good. The story lands, the acting lands, mm-hmm. the sets still land. All of that after ten years could have been old, tired, but it wasn't at all. And I was like, "This is going to run a long time." Yeah. I mean. You know, twenty years I think is an understatement. Yeah. In some form or not, it could run decades. So I got I got a question with that though. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, everything that we've been seeing with um, with COVID and everything we've seen this whole twenty twenty. Yeah. Right? Um. And this is the year. This is the decade of streaming right now. Right. Right. And what. It's been going on with uh, outside being shut down. Uh, do you do you think that eventually they're gonna take this Broadway show streaming like a lot of concerts that they're doing right now? Right. Well, um, I think the business model of Broadway as it was back in the beginning of the year uh, is going to have to find its feet again. Um, yeah, it, I mean, the entire aspect of who we are as people, the rug was pulled out from underneath us in one day. And I, so, yes, I would like to believe, in my internal optimism, <laughs> that Broadway and business and every aspect of society is going to find a happy marriage of being forced to go online and streaming and what we used to do, which is all in-person human experience. Mm-hmm. Um, there will be some sort of you know um, merge of that. But ultimately, it's too ingrained in our DNA to be completely removed from an experience that's like what we're having here. Right, right. You know, right. like... This, what we have here, mm-hmm. is different than if we were in two separate rooms connected in a camera. That's true. And so the same thing with a Broadway show. Like, you, you sit there and you look at it, and the actors are engaged in this in the audience, mm-hmm. and the audience is being engaged, and it's all right there. You mm-hmm. lose all of it when well, you go straight. Well, who lo- well I'm, I'm guessing both sides lose out. Yeah. The consumer and the artist, or the, right. the, right. the product itself. Right. Because... Sometimes that motivates you, depending on how enthusiastic right. the crowd is, right? Right, exactly. So you play um, off it. You play off of that mm-hmm. that energy, yep. uh, right? So same so, with concert venues too. I mean, like you take a Beyonce concert. I'm just pulling a name out of a hat, right? Right. She's in front of, you know, fifty thousand. Oh, no, let's let's say average arena size twenty five thousand people mm-hmm. on any given night, right? Mm-hmm. That feedback you get from the audience, their experience and your experience right. is a shared experience. True. And when you go online, mm-hmm. yeah, you may create a much larger audience. And you can sit there and watch it. But I'd like to think that we're going to marry the two. We're still going to go back to the human experience of, you know, we're very social right. in who we are. So and you're, you're from, I'm trying to gather what you're trying to say. Correct me if I'm wrong. So you're saying that there's going to be, based off your optimism, <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a combination of live streaming while having an audience. Yeah, I think um, because because this was um, uh, this was brought upon us without any control. You know what I mean? Like this was just like this is life right now, right? And it's going to be a year to two years before we start pulling our heads out and go, "Where's the sunlight?" Do you know what I mean? Right, right, and. In that process, there's going to be a mad rush to try to go back to what was normal, but mm-hmm. it's going to feel awkward. You know, I, can, yeah. I you know, back in uh, April and May, I was like, "Yeah, it'll come back, it'll come back." And as time went on and went yeah. on, and you start, how, how did you feel during that time? April, yeah, around April here. Yes. Oh, dude, it was dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because both my wife and I were sick. 
and we both lost our jobs. Mm -hmm. And we're watching friends in the industry, both industries, sick or die, neighbors sick or die. You know, neighbors in my building, three people in my building didn't make it. Yeah. We're listening to ambulances every 20 minutes to a half an hour to yeah. and from Elmhurst Hospital. Mm -hmm. where this is the first time in my living memory they had to have huge semi-trucks fill them up with bodies because there's too many people dying. Yeah. And I was like, this is just, it's, it's too hard for me to wrap my head around, you know. And you just kind of deal with it. And when it starts to become over, you know, I'm 51. So this is close to 51 years of living a normal, quote unquote, human existence in society. Mm -hmm. And then it's over just like that. And you're like, well, what is this, you know? Right. And as we're adjusting as people in society, I think that we're, we're starting to get used to what's, you know, what's coming down the road. And I, I, think, I think humans are always looking for the next, you know, like, okay, well, we've been forced upon this, but we're going to take this with us as we start going into the next chapter. You know, we're going to take this with us as we start developing mm. what's happening next. And whatever yeah. that next chapter is, um, I, I don't think it's going to be just like it was back in January. I don't think it can. Yeah, right. And yeah. But it'll be something different. And I, you know, as far as a performing musician... I hope that it includes musicians and entertainers being able to make the same kind of you know living that we used to. Mm -hmm. You know, I certainly hope so. I mean, um, I was just mentioning to a friend of mine yesterday that uh, like Broadway makes more money than all of the major sports franchises in New York City in one year combined. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a lot of bread. And they make a lot of money. That's a and lot it's a big of, part a big of the bag. economy of New York City. Wow. It's one of the reasons why the New York City economy cannot fully come back until all of this reopens. I mean, we're kind of stuck in purgatory. And but we're in survival mode. There isn't any federal funding coming mm -hmm. into the arts. No. Phil's not getting no. anything. That's not getting anything. No. I mean right. Broadway's not getting anything. And Musicians are just cut off. Actors, everybody, we're just completely cut off. We're completely reliant on uh, unemployment insurance from the state. And we can't go to another show to work. We can't go to another symphony to sub. We can't go to another bar to play a gig. It's over yeah. until this comes back. And so everyone's rushing to go online to get some like trinkets of teaching and some online recording and whatever mm -hmm. else that we can do. Mm -hmm. And... It's the first thing to go, and it went hard, and it's going to be the very last thing to come back. When society has decided that, okay, we're rounding out our culture again, that's when the arts are going to come back. Right. And the big fear is, well, what's going to happen to the arts in the meantime? Are we going to be taken care of? Do you want the same kind of level of artistic creativity and, and entertainment mm -hmm. that you had before this happened? Because if we're not at least taken care of... Uh, I don't think anybody in the arts and entertainment industry expects to be taken care of like the way the automotive industry would be or the way the banks would be. It's just True. clearly not going to happen. Yeah. But to have really kind of nothing, I mean, do you want to rebuild from scratch? I mean, that could take decades. Right. I mean, we're all here because this is what we love to do. Right. You know, it's in my DNA to play music and create. But... I have so many friends that have left New York City, and I don't know if they're coming back. Yeah. You know, I don't know if they're, they're like, the entertainment's dead. You know, musicians are dark. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're so used to getting the short end of the stick our entire lives. Yeah, you know, yeah. one yeah. time I was on tour with my metal band, and they decided not to pay us that night, and they paid us with a box of pizza. It's, it, it's that kind of stuff that happens, wow. like, all the time in, in, with musicians. And so that's why we fight for contracts, and mm -hmm. we fight for equal rights, and we fight for, you know, to keep us... Uh, paid so that we can live like normal human beings. You know, if yeah, you if I you want the cream of the crop in New mm -hmm. York City, we can't live on fifty bucks a night. No, no, <laughs> you no, know. No. So yeah. anyway, that's one of the things that people don't talk about. Yeah, right. when you when you scale, you definitely make a lot of money. Right. But right. there's no benefits. Like right. you living on. Um, I guess you're waiting on your next hit, right? And you constantly right. 
living right. on your next hit. So I understand, and um, and I did hear about a lot of Broadway people are going uh, where we went to last um, upstate. We went upstate. Um, Hudson Valley. Hudson Valley. Oh. And I'm hearing that a lot of people, uh, a lot of the Broadway people are heading up to Hudson Valley. Um, because to your point that people are saying that Broadway is dead and, it, and if it is the last thing to come back, that's a long time to be waiting to get yeah, some revenue to come in. Yeah, it's too long to wait, to yeah. be honest with you. I mean, like, so let's use me for an example. I, I'm in an incredibly, incredibly privileged and blessed position that I'm on a hit show that will come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I'm probably going to get this number wrong. I mean, there's like some 40-something houses in New York City that, that do plays, uh, Broadway musicals on the Broadway level or something mm-hmm. to that effect, including off-Broadway. It may even be more than that. And it employs an incredible amount of people. And the trickle-down of the restaurants and the hotels and the cabs and all of this stuff. So when it just disappears, why spend you know three to four grand to stay in your studio apartment every single month when there's no work. That's true. You know, and if you need to go online, um, a really good friend of mine, uh, she is the, um, I believe she's still the dance captain for Aladdin. And she teaches exclusively online now. She does like a whole package where she teaches Broadway dancing, mm-hmm. you know, for like an hour online. And in order to do that, you know, it's better to, if you have the means, get out of town and go live someplace where you have some space and you can enjoy not being in the city because the city doesn't have anything to offer right now. Right. Like you go into Midtown, mm-hmm. into Times Square, it's like, whoa. It's a ghost town right now. Completely. Yeah. And I mean, I say this, but like Broadway will come back. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely will come back. Well, if it's one of the biggest markets, if that space generates so much money, yeah, it's only a matter of time before it comes back. But I don't, the, the thing, thing is, it's not a necessity, right? Right. So, You're right. It's so that's ants. why exactly it. it's it's a it's it's like leisure time. Mm-hmm. It's more like a luxury thing. Mm-hmm. So for, for it to come back, it it requires everybody to get to a good space again, mm-hmm. right? That's and right. so I, unfortunately, uh, a lot of people cannot manage till then, right? Right. And to your point, you said it. Why it's hard spend for it's hard for five thousand a right? month, right? Yeah. I might as well go someplace where my money can my, the amount that I'm make I'm getting right now to make it stretch until the time being. Um, we had a lawyer on, that was on the show, and she said, you know, New York City is one of the most resilient cities yeah. out there. So yeah. we're definitely going to come back. It may take some right. time, but we're definitely going to come back. It's a, there's an interesting quote I was listening to a, a Stephen Dubner's podcast on Freakonomics, and he had, yeah. and I don't remember the economist's name, but he's like a you know typical New Yorker. And, the title of the podcast was, um, you know, is New York City really dead? And his answer was like, over our dead bodies. It's just, <laughs> just not. I like it's that. It's too, the city, it's too gritty. It's de- <laughs> It definitely it's, had its, its knees gonna, knocked out from under us. There's yes, no doubt. Yes. I, I think that um, we're at a, a I, I guess we had a period where, uh we're testing. We're being tested to see. Yeah. We're already strong by nature, right? New York City yeah, right. is one of the toughest right. cities out right. there, right. and it's one of the toughest places to survive. That's why we got that quote that says, "If you could make it in New York City, you could make it anywhere." Right? It's true. So I think right now we're being. It's like a more like a gut check to say, "Okay, now that this yeah. is happening, what are you guys gonna do?" Right? Um, and we are going to bounce back. It's, it's just a matter of time for us to bounce back. But that doesn't mean the gut check didn't hurt. I completely agreed. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that drew me to this city was just how ambitious and, like, how, uh, you know, driven the city is. It's like it just doesn't stop. It's yeah. like if, the rest of, if we're going to get knocked off our feet and the rest of the world's having some way of being able to figure it out, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out, yeah. And there's, we're a city that never sleeps. Yeah, right. I mean, there's no yeah. question the city's going to figure it out. Yeah. You know, I've had some friends say, like, it'll never come back. And I'm like, I wholeheartedly don't agree with that. It could be years. You know, yeah. some people think it could be five, it could be a little more. Mm. I, think, I think if New Yorkers dig in, and I mean, you know, a lot of people left the city. 
I'm here. I'm reading and hearing that there are people that have never invested in the city in the first place. You know, they're mm-hmm. here for a transient time period, their job, and they're like, oh, I'm out. Yeah. But New Yorkers that have been here for a couple of decades or longer, born and raised, and they're like, oh, no, we're gonna figure it out. Yeah. Fine. If if you if you want to count us out, we'll prove you wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And I'm I'm from Oakland, California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've lived here, you know, six, seventeen years now, and yeah, I've yeah. taken on this like, no, it's it's just it's not, man. Yeah. And then if it's, if you think it is, and you really think it is, then we'll, we we will figure it out. Yeah, well, it's a matter of time. Yeah, it's like the seventies. There's a really there's a cool little, uh, uh, you know, docudrama series uh, called The Empires of New York on CNBC that's out lately. And the early episode was just how coming out of the seventies was rough in this city. <laughs> you know? But but the, like like. Hip hop came from that. Yes, you know what yes. I mean. Yes, I mean that is like the birth yes. of a. Uh, what's the? That's. I mean, in itself, it's an empire. I yeah. mean, it changed the face right, of right, entertainment right, as right. we know it. Mm-hmm. That came from right here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that, so, that you ecosystem know. created so much wealth. Oh my God! Yeah, because <laughs> something that came out of uh, out of nowhere, and to this day has generated so much wealth and uh, created so much opportunities for others and yeah. and took care of a lot of families and it was birthed in a hard time it really was so i'm thinking that there's something that's going to birth during this time that's going to turn it around yeah i agree i agree um there's there's a um yeah, I take a deep breath because it's like, wow, how much pain do we have to endure before we get back to that moment? Because mm-hmm. I would like to be here in that exciting moment when the city's exploding again. When yeah. the city's like, oh, this is fun. Yeah, and then we look back at it as, yeah. you know what? <laughs> we, we, they yeah. counted us out and now we're here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, good luck counting out the city. <laughs> Go ahead and bet against it. I think it's a bad bet. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I hear the passion you come, coming from California, <laughs> but I hear the passion for New York. Is That's it, because this adopted city of mine has given me everything that I've ever wanted. You know, yeah. I mean, I love growing up in California and Oakland, and that's my hometown. And I love my family, and I love you know every part of the West Coast and what it afforded me growing up and what I had done. But what New York brought me was, you know, this is a city where you can dig in and work your butt off, and it'll pay off. Yeah. You know, it, it will reward people for working hard, and it yeah. will. New York won't take care of you. You have to take care of New itself. York. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it'll spit you out in a heartbeat. Oh my God! <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things that, um, uh, you know, what do you call it? The um, walk in the jungle or walk in the concrete? I forget the the phrase of it, but um, you're literally in 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 a jungle where it's not just survival. It's just you have to learn how to adapt. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Right. And you have to find your niche. You got to find your niche because New York is one of those things that you you you're not gonna come and change New York. You just gotta adapt. To the <laughs> yeah, way no, that's exactly it right. Is, right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, then you gotta find yeah. you, you gotta find yourself. In, you gotta find those little crevices and, and, <laughs> and pocket yourself there, and then work and work to you to accomplish to a point where you can dictate certain things but um it, it it just won't happen it's just new york is one of those tough gritty 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 cities that you just gotta you, you gotta be strong yeah i i think i also like the the approach of new yorkers where they just they they, they really just don't take no for an answer no you know what i mean i yeah. mean it's like yeah i'm gonna do this i'm gonna make it happen for yeah, you. yeah we'll figure it out yeah and it's admirable because yeah. It's not easy living here. It's oh. a very dense city. Mm-hmm. You 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 have to live in an apartment, and everybody's got to do it. Yeah. Of course, there are those examples of people that come in and everything's given to them. True. But in general, you got to come in here, and you need to pay your dues. Uh, is that the right way of saying it? Yeah. You yeah you pay your dues, but you work your butt off. And you make it pay off for you. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Some people, yeah, you pay your dues and you kind of get it in the back end, but you got to make it work for you. You got to make it reward you. And right. when it does, it's pretty big. Oh yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Uh, I'm gonna um, we're gonna circle back, but okay. Uh, you've you've what made you get into becoming a musician? Like what? Huh. 
growing up? How was that like? Uh, well, it well so. I mean, music has been uh, slowly pushed out of the school systems in general, mm-hmm. like a, a, across the board. Excuse me. And at the time when grade school, they required that you approach either a vocal choral or some sort of musical instrument. Mm-hmm. And I decided to go into a musical instrument. And I, you know, they'd kind of test you and see where they think, excuse me, where your talents are. And I'd somehow just gravitated towards the drums. I mean, I remember <laughs> somewhat vividly, uh, they used to do these parades down the hallway of like, you know, play, play, play an instrument, you know, mm-hmm. and, and sing. And I remember just like the drummer's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> you know, just playing along. Mm-hmm. So I gravitated into that. Mm-hmm. And once I got into it, um, it really took to me and I, it, it worked well with me. And I had found out later that I have some relatives. One of them was, I think she's a great aunt that, um, you know, worked for the Oakland symphony. So there's some lineage there somehow. Mm-hmm. And I just, I stuck to it and it was I was really good at it and it was one of those things where I put in many many hours of work and it would pay off you know people would like yeah you know he works really hard and he plays very well so you know we're going to keep giving him opportunities and I just kind of kept going through that route and it was something that that helped me a lot you know especially like um when I was 17 18 my my dad had died of AIDS, and this was in the 80s, and it was rough on the family, it was rough on, like, you know, my peers, it was rough on me, and so I dove into music, and music was there, and it didn't talk back to me, it didn't tell me how I had to do it, mm-hmm. it just was there for me to dive into and find myself, find out, you know, what I want to do. Mm-hmm. and how I want to do it. And it's it's great. I mean, I think, you know, I was just like trying to put together a little website and I'm like, music is definitely a DNA. It's, it's a part of the DNA of the human soul. It mm-hmm. really is. It's something that's been with us since the beginning of time. And it just, it spoke to me and, and I love it. I mean, I really love it. Yeah. And I even, yeah, even in times of like right now where it's like depressing and I don't have much inspiration, you know, um, mm-hmm. We were flying out to California to see my mom, and I, I put on an old uh, Tane, Tane Watts as a drummer, and I put on one of his records, and I was listening, I was like, oh, man, that's right, God, this guy's such an unbelievable player. And, and so I'm like thinking in my head, as soon as I get back, I'm going to set up my small little kit, and I'm going to start working <laughs> on this and listening to cymbals again. You know? And it just inspires me immediately, because mm-hmm. you can fall in those ruts of not having any inspiration. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine... I mean, I don't know. I've never worked in an office space. I've never worked behind a computer where you just kind of punch in whatever it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. But music's hands-on. It's creating and it's constantly evolving. And you're never, you never stop learning. Yeah. I mean, your entire life, there's always some new avenue to learn and and move into and do something different. You know. And it's like, like the other night I was down in my studio and I was practicing and it's kind of like, yeah. So I pull up an old book. And I went through a pattern that I had worked on years ago, right? And I was playing. I was like, "Why can't I play? Why can't I play this right now? <laughs> What's wrong with me?" <laughs> you know, I don't remember to like break it down. And next thing you know, it's like a couple hours go by, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, there's that feeling again." You know, I just accomplished something. I just did something for a couple hours that uh, I wasn't able to do a little while ago, and I kind of uh, reconnected with the side of my mm-hmm. of my um, of who I am as a musician that easily slips away with music it's a use it or lose it you know yeah, yeah. i mean you could be a mozart sure not everybody is not everybody you know most people are probably like me you just have to work your ass off to get anywhere yeah <laughs> you know let me ask you something uh if somebody wanted to um get into broadway when it comes back right uh what would you say was one of those um contributing factors that help you along the way you can't let what's going on around the world in music and entertainment discourage you. You can't let the fact that it's different now, it's a small society of people that, you know, have connected and have worked in, you can't let that discourage you. Um, You know, when I got into Broadway, 
I threw myself into playing musical being a you know so we're, we're calling it Broadway drumming and that's the easiest way to just kind of categorize it but it's basically being a multifaceted musician in the area of playing drums and percussion and approaching different styles of music and you need to throw yourself into it you need to have the passion that this is really what you want to do and if you find that this is what you want to do then stick with it go with it you know be good at cultivating relationships be good at being a good person mm -hmm. I can tell that emphatically people do not like to work with difficult people it's just yeah no-brainer if you're a difficult person you're gonna struggle no matter how good you are but you know, you can be a very, very, very good player. You don't need to be the best. You don't need to be exceptional. I mean, you need to be great. Because right. you're going to have to compete in New York City, so please. Right. But you work really hard and you got a lot of passion behind it and, and you're good at it. Just stick with it, you know. It's it's going to be hard. But if it's what you want to do, then do it. Yeah. You know, work in all different levels of it. Because, like, I loved doing it, so I didn't care if I was playing at a high school mm -hmm. or at a regional theater or at a, uh, you know, um, like a laureate theater or uh, a touring theater in San Francisco, a Broadway level, or on Broadway or off Broadway or off off Broadway. Playing the show and playing, being a part of the musical creation of that night mm -hmm. is what's great. And, and if you come from that space, I think you'll be fine. I like that. <laughs> you know, I definitely like that. But thank you so much. It's, it, this has been an awesome. Oh man, opinion. thank you. I really, I really yeah. appreciate you allowing me to to do this because I, I feel like it's not enough attention is paid to what we do as artists, mm -hmm. especially, especially on Broadway. Yeah, especially on Broadway in the city. I mean, as I'm listening to either Congress and every once in a while they talk about the arts. They kind of throw it into the last sentence. We need to make all this money and blah, 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 and get funding and and the arts. You know. And articles in, in what I read from coming out in the press, it always mentions the cast and the crew and the company, but they never mention the musicians. And it's a Broadway musical. Yeah. There are live musicians down there and a group of you know 5 to 25 that create this music for the paying audience every single night. And we work really hard to do it. You know, And all we want in return is just enough acknowledgement to say that they appreciate our hard work yeah you know it's not so yeah but thank yeah. you no really no appreciate no problem. <laughs> if you guys get an opportunity just go on youtube and um put in his name there's a clip where he's going off man and it's like oh you know oh, that's yeah. right <laughs> well actually there's two clips there's one where he's going off and there's another one where Shameless plug. He had a, a Delta hat on. Before <laughs> he was representing for a family member that worked, but it was like I was watching him play, and it was it was amazing. So if you get the opportunity, just just please go go check it out on YouTube. Um, thank you so much, everyone. It's been awesome as always, and we appreciate you guys tuning in. And uh, thank you so much again. Have a good night. Thank you.